0: And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this
1: justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution. Revolution Radio! Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at FreedomSlips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of this program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener-supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.
2: It happens more often than we can imagine. In my case, I was sitting at home, and out of nowhere, I just started feeling uncomfortable. Then it got worse, and I started perspiring. I tried to ignore it, but I waited too long. The chest pain came as we were driving to the hospital emergency. I felt my life clock begin to tick. I barely survived. There was lots of damage done to my heart. What do I do now? I was lucky. I took a leap of faith and tried a seven-herb formula with hawthorn, garlic, cayenne, and more called Extendivite. Herbs have been used for thousands of years to keep us healthy. If you're not using Extendivite as a preventative supplement, maybe it's time to start. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendover. Do you feel as if you don't belong? Do you know you were meant for something more?
0: Well, you were. Knowledge of who you are and where you really are from is within your reach. Join Janet Carolesson. Dr. Sasha Lesson as they search for the answers as they open up the Stargate to the Cosmos.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stargate to the Cosmos. And I'm your host, Jan Kier Lesson, with my co host, Dr. Sasha Alec Lesson. My producer is Thomas Becker. And the guest, our special guest today, is Terry Lynch Kale. I hope I pronounced that right. She can correct me if I didn't. Uh, but before I bring her on, I want to uh, tell you a little bit about her. Terry is a leader in all things strange and paranormal. There isn't much Terry hasn't studied when it comes to matters of the unknown. She approaches her studies scientifically with an open, non-judgmental mind, and has and no subject is too controversial to research. Her personal encounters started as a young child and have been consistent to this writing. Her desire to know truth led her on a personal quest that has guided her to this day 45 years later. She experienced a very powerful spiritual happening in 1973 that changed her life. Her personal extraterrestrial experience in 1979 changed everything she knew to be true and began a deeper study of what life and spiritual truth were really all about beyond the veil of biblical doctrine. And I have a much longer bio and lots of pictures of Terry and a collage up on AquarianRadio.com. And so before I bring on Terry, I'm going to do a little sound check with Dr. Sasha Alley-Klesson. Hi, sweetheart. Are you there?
4: I am. <laughs> so glad well, to be me, here.
3: Sweetheart. Yeah, first I'm going to get Sasha's sound check and then we'll bring you in, Terry. Hi, sweetheart. You there? Sasha? Uh-oh. <laughs> Sasha, can you hear me? Oh darn. Well, um, let us begin. i mad. Do you see Sasha there? Is he still did he come online?
0: Yes, oh, he's he online. muted. He's he's oh. muted.
3: Oh Sasha, you're muted. Okay. Well anyway, let's get started and he'll figure hello. it out. Hello, yes, hello. Hi, sweetheart.
0: Okay. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Say I'm, something. I'm, listen. Something. Okay good I know actually beyond something. Uh, what's really be interesting, Terry if if all of us listening to you now could just go into a sort of a deep space and be you and as you tell us about your experiences and what it was like to to, to go through your uh, opening and your development stuff so that as much as we can, we can follow along and, and, and if, like like we are you. So what's your story, kid?
4: Oh, boy, (laughs) hold on to your hats, huh? Oh, good, good. Well, um, my story started a long, long time ago. I was very young, and um, it started when I was about five, even though there were things I remembered uh, very young in infancy, actually, which I just uh, find astounding because to have such good and powerful memories from infants, you know, being an infant and asking my mother about them and having her say, how could you possibly have known that, you know? So I was different and uh, not like my other siblings. And uh, I thought we were all that way though for the longest time until I was five. Uh, we lived in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin at the time, and I was out playing with the neighbors and my brother, and um, he's one year younger than I am, so we're all outside, and the kids all decide to run over across the street and play some baseball, and I was just, you know, so young, I, I it wasn't my thing. I've, I'm still not a real big sports fan, but it just wasn't my thing, so everybody else kind of goes over there, and of course, I'm talking about little t-ball, wiffle ball, you know, and... um there's a man standing in the sky calling my name. I heard him call me 3 times. I thought it was my father, and I looked all over for my father, but I couldn't find him. And then the third time I heard him call my name, he just simply said, "Terry." And as I looked, I looked up and here's this man standing in the sky. <laughs> and I thought, "What?" Now, even being very young, I knew this wasn't right. And I shouldn't what did have you seen look
3: it. Like? Well, it look
4: like? this is so interesting. Uh, he had on a long robe. It looked like an angel. It would have. It would be just what you would describe an angel calling me three times, and I looked up, and the minute my eyes met his. I became fearful, actually, and I turned around and started running into the house. We had a tri-level home in Menominee Falls, and I ran in that front door so fast, and I ran up to my father, who was in the kitchen, and he was cooking something on the stove, and I screamed at him, Daddy, Daddy, there's a man outside standing in the sky. And he looked at me and, and like, you know, that look, and I remember it, and I thought, he he doesn't seem to be believing me. And and I said it again, Daddy, there's a man standing out in the sky. And he said to me as he patted me on the back, okay, Teresa doll, go get yourself washed up for dinner. Oh, and I, God. yeah, so, I mean, he completely ignored me, blew me away. <laughs> <laughs> and And when you're that young... You know, that is uh, a powerful negativity because I had to live the rest of that day in that house wondering, why didn't my dad go out there? You know, what just happened? And I couldn't even talk about it because I just didn't know to, you know, to draw him out or ask him questions. I didn't know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that was my uh, day of reckoning and it has been pretty much odd since then. And, uh, you know, I was talking about uh, infancy. I, I told my mother, you know, when you were young, um, you had such beautiful auburn hair. And she said, well, how do you know that? And I said, because, Mom, you used to look at me in the little buggy. We had this buggy. You know, they did back mm-hmm. in those days. <laughs> oh, I <I'm> had <laughs> and- <laughs> buggy. <laughs> yeah.
3: I had one too, yeah.
4: And I told her, I hated that you smoked. And she said, what? And I said, because your breath was so bad. And I said, you would smoke and then you would talk to me or pick me up or do something. And I just thought, oh, that smell. And she goes, Terry, how did you know my hair was that color? I said, because mom. Your face was right in front of me. And she goes, but I've never, I colored it, you know, for years and years when you were little, but when you were really little in the buggy, I had auburn hair. And I thought, isn't that crazy? And there were no pictures back then. We weren't a wealthy family when uh, my mother and father were just married. Um, We were, oh, you know, we weren't upper class. We were just, you know, we were getting along, (laughs) Right? Yeah. you know. Making ends meet. And so we didn't have cameras or videos or any of that. I don't even know if they had videos, but I know they had a brownie camera, but no pictures were taken. So, uh, and and anything I did see was a black and white. So it is kind of interesting. Um, you know, my mom was shocked. And I told her some other things, too, and and she validated them, which I thought was amazing. So how that all happened, I don't know.
3: Right, Um, well, you know, not everybody remembers But Sasha, you know, he's told me that Sasha, you said that you remember a lot of things when you were a child And that one of the reasons we don't remember is because we have trauma Right, is that what, uh, is correct, honey? You there?
0: Uh, That's right, basically If if, if you uh, learn to cover up something from yourself uh, to handle it it, be, it can become habitual or you can examine it and uh, examining it's part of the maturation process that reflective people do anyway or you could do it with uh with a, uh, an, an theogen or a therapist there's a lot of ways meditate
3: yeah so absolutely you, so you had a pretty good childhood so you weren't real traumatized so so what else do you remember
4: well um then the next thing that was very profound that i remembered was i was um walking home from uh, let's see i guess that would have been uh back then we didn't call it middle school it was just um like third grade and mm-hmm. um we i i was coming home and uh all my other friends that i was walking with uh they all went home and my walk was a little farther. So I was alone and I turned down my street and I'm passing this one little bush. And, um, I was kind of a little nature girl. I love to smell the flowers and I love to pull these little leaves off and, break them in half and smell that fresh, fresh leaf, you know, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I used to, I used to stand by this one little leaf and I I broke it in half and I was sitting there sniffing at this one day, you know, thinking, oh, that's just so fragrant. And all of a sudden, a very powerful male voice said to me, Terry, are you going to be good or are you going to be bad? Just like that. And I immediately answered, Oh, I'm going to be good. (laughs) And I thought to myself, now, who was that? And I turned around and there was nobody there. And I looked up again in the sky and there was nobody there. So I thought, how interesting. Uh, And then I didn't give it another thought, you know, but I mean. Uh,
0: Terry, let me me just go back a step because I'm still mulling the way your father uh, dismissed uh, what you were trying to communicate, and uh, and uh, you know, and what you did with that, and then I went on to give an example of what a mature consciousness does when it contemplates itself, and I could hear you saying that story about your dad, which was you know very uh, confusing and and, uh, and uh, profound when it happened, but you, you don't have a charge on it. And That's what I mean by a mature consciousness. Okay, there, that's my Z. A. Garnick effect. I'm finished. <laughs> that. <laughs>
4: Well, thank you for sharing. Um, well, you know, I, um, I thought it was really profound that without even giving it a thought, that just shot right out of my mouth. And so obviously, that was who I wanted to be. I didn't want to be anybody that was evil or wicked or whatever. I really wanted to seek Um, what was right and what was good and wholesome and really that has been my entire life except for the fact that uh, over and over and over through my life much uh, negativity would would come and attack me and it was a full full on stream I mean every year every month it never stopped, and I really thought when I was like 16, I thought, this must happen to everybody, and then when I asked somebody, because I really got fed up with it, I thought, you know, I can't sleep at night. You know, I'm always being awoken or something is happening. Like, for instance, when I was like uh, about 14, I was laying in bed one night, and my mother was working two jobs. It was just she and I. My father divorced um, my mom, and my all my siblings went and lived with him and i chose to live with my mother because she was all alone left all alone you know and that in and of itself was a big huge story you know here's this little girl standing in front of a judge and he says you have to go with your dad and i said oh absolutely not sir <laughs> <laughs> and he asked me why. And I said, well, take a look at my mother. Look at her crying over there. And I oh. said, all my siblings are with my father. And, uh, and the judge smiled at me and said, uh, she is young, but I'm going to let her go with her mother. <laughs> wow. and so it was just my mom and I and uh, so anyway my mom was working two jobs um to keep you know uh, our heads above the water and uh she often came home around 2 30 or 3 at night because she worked on a switchboard and um I, I tell you uh living alone by myself at that very very young age in all these different apartments that we went to we lived in at least 21 apartments in the city of saint petersburg while i was growing up which was a real challenge but um often i would hear voices i would see um things you know moving and happening and and I would say to myself I didn't see that and then I'd see it again and I went yeah but I did see that <laughs> and I thought oh, <laughs> oh darn it you know now what am I dealing with so often I didn't sleep which made going to school a little difficult but um, uh, one night while I was laying in bed I thought my mother had come home because I felt a hand caressing my face
3: mm-hmm. and it
4: it started at my forehead and went down to the end of my chin and then it went back up to my forehead and went back down to my chin three times. And so finally I, I came up out of my slumber and I thought I was going to see my mom and there was not a soul in the room. And I thought, oh dear, you know. And so I picked up the phone. This is hysterical. And I called the operator back in those days. You know, you dial the O and the operator came on. And I thought, I just I just need to hear a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody that's real. (laughs) And what did the operator say? (laughs) Well, I think she caught on because I kept asking her question after question after question. And finally she did say to me, You have to hang up now. Oh my gosh. I I never never found too many caring people as I was growing up. So it made me very independent, incredibly strong. And, uh, I guess I was being groomed for who I am. The truth is we're all quickly becoming who we will forever be in eternity, you know? And it was, it was part of my uh, process. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) many, many other stories, but, um, you know, uh, so
3: who was in who was in your house at night? Did you ever discover was it uh, extraterrestrials or interdimensionals or
4: ghosts or any particular particular being was somebody following you from apartment to apartment? What was going on? Well, I think that um, I was in all these older apartments, and and you know, of course, Saint Petersburg used to be called Wrinkle City because so many people retire and come here to St. Petersburg. It's absolutely beautiful, just just stunning place on the water, west coast of Florida. And, um, of course, I was just a little kid. None of that made any difference to me, but all these apartments had been lived in by elderly people who had passed. And I believe that I was just having, you know, spirits um, approaching me. And because that wasn't what I wanted, I kept pushing them away. Uh, I didn't want to be involved with them. And now I see how psychics uh, gather people to themselves because as you know, if they come to you while you're young, you're figuring all this out as you go. And I chose not to accept that. But I think psychics choose to accept that. And I push them away. Um, so they were trying to reach out to me. I just wasn't letting them in. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was the same one, but I do think it was kind, loving older people who had passed. (laughs) I really do because, um, I was never harmed or hurt. There was really only one time where I was really attacked and, and, uh, well, not one, there were several, but I mean, one that was really quite frightening. Um, and, uh, do you want me to just share that or?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. This is a flow of consciousness. Share, share what pops to the top of the queue that you sure, think sure.
4: is important for our people to, to hear. Go ahead. Okay. I'm sure others have had these types of experiences. Um, like I said, mine were never ending. I had hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, but uh, many years later when I was about 20, uh, maybe eight or nine, um, I... I was experiencing a storm that came upon the house I was living in in St. Petersburg, and the storm was just off the charts. It The wind was whipping. It was not a hurricane, but we we often here in Florida will have these no-name storms that just pop up. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, it just happens. And so... I'm sitting in my bedroom and I'm thinking to myself, okay, let me get the kids in bed. It's nine o'clock. Got to get these kids in bed. And I was very tired. I had my, um, you know, my uh, nightgown on ready for, ready for bed. And I, I tuck the kids in and I go sit in my bedroom and all of a sudden the storm comes on the house unbelievable, blowing so hard. I was sure my windows were going to crack if anything, you know, hit them. And, uh, the doors were going in and going out and, you know, the pressure, uh, was just unbelievable from this storm. And, uh, I'm in the kitchen thinking to myself, boy, you know, this is really bad. Maybe I better gather the children and put them in my bedroom. And so I, I was Getting ready to put a glass of water down I had been sipping, I put the water down and I walked in front of the back door and all of a sudden that thing was shaking, bang, 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 back and forth. And I thought, thank God I have the bottom locked and the deadbolt on. Well, no sooner did I say that than the back door blew open, almost hit me. And I'm standing there, I was immediately engulfed in water, I was soaking wet, and I was in the kitchen, so I'm on a tile floor, I'm slipping everywhere, trying to close the door, and as I look out the back door, the shock of, I mean a shock, here is a man, a tall, thin man, with a hat on, standing directly at the end of my uh uh back driveway Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm thinking what this isn't a storm storm this is some damn demonic headache coming at me and i'm thinking to myself are you kidding me and i literally banged my knee on the floor trying to close the door again and i I'm telling you, it was just absolutely a difficult moment, and um, I was in such a conundrum. I didn't know how to get the door closed. I kept slipping when I was trying to push it because the wind was coming in at probably 100 miles an hour, and I was little, I was not a big girl, you know, I was probably 145 pounds max, 5'8", you know, I'm trying Mm -hmm. to shut this door, my feet are slipping, I've already whacked my knee, so I lodged my feet between my um, uh, counter and this other wall, and I pushed, but I finally had the door closed, but I couldn't lock it, this man or entity or demonic force, whatever it was, in my backyard that I could clearly see, um, it, like I say, completely dressed. He had blue jeans on and a long sleeve shirt and a hat. And I'm like, why isn't that hat blowing off? Yeah, I agree. So, seriously. So I'm thinking, as I'm thinking, and I'm really scared. I mean, I'm pretty scared at that point. And I thought, okay. Either that hat is glued onto his head or I'm dealing with something demonic. And I I felt like it was definitely a demonic force. I could not deadbolt the door. And every time I deadbolted it, even though my eyes were seeing the bolt, the door would blow open. And this happened about four times. And I was crying out to God, literally going, God, please help me, help me help me i'm all alone here my boys are in the bed you know help me and all of wow. a sudden it just clicked the deadbolt finally clicked and i i was so soaking wet and so freaked out i quickly ran to the back of of my window and i i i had looked up and he was now right at the back door right at my back door And I was shaking and I thought to myself, please, God, let that deadbolt work. And I stood there next to the door trying to make sure that I wasn't going to have this person try to kick it in or the spirit blow it open or whatever. They have power, you know. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. if you're in fear, that and this is how I learned all my life lessons don't give in to the fear so i had to overcome that fear like right now and so i got angry and i thought okay that's it you're not coming in here that's it and i stood my ground and that door stayed locked and i drew the curtains and i went back in my bedroom i well i went over and got the kids brought them in my room and that was the end of that night the storm stopped i went out about an hour later and there was no one in the yard (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow so you know if you had engineered that for yourself or if God uh, put it in order for you it was to learn to uh, uh, how strong you are and, uh, uh, and to have faith in yourself and it was just like the whole thing was like you planned it for yourself for your evolution.
4: Right. It's part of the process of growing and learning. And, you know, I've said this many times. I know that I know that I know. I don't know because you told me or I read it or I watched it or or I saw it. I know because I've lived it. I've had to walk it. And I I also have said a thousand times. Um, truth is stranger than any fiction on this planet. Fiction is is just kind of you know it's like entertainment, but truth is stunning. It, it's it's amazing. It's really it's profound. Truth is profound, and uh, all all these different lessons that I've had um, have brought me to this place where i am in knowing what i know because of walking through it and uh like i had a neighbor at another house uh a really lovely neighbor and um she had passed away she had died of cancer and i had gone over to see her the day that she died she was right next door and uh I said to her, you know, Dottie, I love you. You're, you're leaving and, you know, have a pleasant trip. Hope to see you some someday, you know. Not too soon, but I hope to see you someday, you know. And, uh, and so uh, the next day, I'm in my house. I'm uh, taking the sheets off the bed. I'm getting ready to do the laundry. And in my living room, Dottie is calling me. Terry, <laughs> Terry. And she had a very specific voice you know well don't we all but hers was was really specific and I loved her and I loved her voice and we used to laugh at the back fence and uh and she was calling me and calling me and I thought isn't that something I didn't see her but I clearly heard her Mm -hmm. you know and so many of these things have happened and I didn't allow her to come you know I didn't allow her to come through I uh I guess I draw the line at that, you know. Right. Um, I had a uh, full body apparition of my grandmother come to me in 1993. And I was sitting on my bed and uh, just reading a book. And I looked up and she's standing in the uh, doorway, fully dressed. I could have gotten up and hugged her. It was a a solid human being, and uh, everything about her was as she was in this life, but she had been dead for years, and um, I looked at her knowing who she was. Now, my grandmother was a very strange, uh, almost wicked person, and, you know, the whole family agreed. I wasn't the only (laughs) one with that thought, and uh, all the other grandkids were like, oh, she's so mean, you know. Mm -hmm. and uh so she was pretty mean to my mom too her whole life and uh she was just true to form she lived a miserable life and was a miserable soul and so while she was standing there i'm looking at her and she's trying to speak and i jumped up and pointed my finger and i said oh no No, 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 you don't talk to me. You don't come here and ask me for forgiveness. You lived your life. Your time is up. You're no longer in the land of the living. You have passed. And don't come here asking for forgiveness because I'm not giving it to you. (laughs) And and so uh, after I threw her out, and I'll tell you, it was really, really odd. Uh, She backed away with every no. No. As I threw my finger at her, and as she backed away, she got more and more transparent to the point she was literally gone, which was very freaky. Didn't didn't freak me out though. I mean, because I've learned to uh, you learn deal with yeah, you learn to deal with the spirits, and and you learn to take charge. I I let them know I'm in control. You're not. You know, and so I'm only going to allow you to do what I'm going to allow you to do. I'm in the land of the living. You're not, You're you not know,
3: yeah, exactly.
4: This isn't your time any longer, but this let me, is my time.
3: Let so me go back to that, that yeah. being that was in the <clears throat> end of the
4: driveway. Sure. Did, uh-huh. you,
3: did you ever encounter that being again? Oh, yes.
4: Oh, yes. I did. Um.
3: Mm-hmm. in okay. human form and, and, what, did you get and, a sense that this was a person alive or, or dead yeah. was this was he, a person he, alive um,
4: yeah this okay. was an alive person and his name was Donald and uh, I knew who he was and oh. I yeah, and I asked him do you remember being at my driveway and he said not at all he said not, not at about? all So that was pretty interesting. Okay, so
3: you met him, and he didn't remember being at your driveway, and he really probably couldn't have been at your driveway if the
4: the, um, wind was going 100 miles an hour. I mean, he'd be... Not wearing that hat. And it stayed on his head the entire time. So that was him in the spirit. And I know we look exactly the way we do, in the spirit because i've left my body and turned around and looked at it i've had that experience and uh i even said out loud am i dying and there was an angel present and he said no you are not dying and i thought oh isn't this interesting so transcendental meditation or out of body experiences are very real you know i'm sure you agree uh, yeah yeah, yeah you, go ahead Tasha. You, have a you,
0: yeah. you know it's interesting it's interesting. You can. It goes two ways too. Uh, I find that uh, I can say, you know, uh, I would like to uh, uh, talk to my father now, Irving. I'd like to talk to you, and I can. And I, I've contacted several of my teachers in that same way, and so like uh, Carl Rogers and uh, Fritz Perls are at, are right there for me too. So it's so it's not just that we're passive. We can be active. I think uh, also. In this, uh, across the uh, uh, this false barrier between us.
4: Yes, I'm sure. I've I've never pursued that. It's it's always been um, my desire, my calling, if you will, to not go there, to not call anybody in. Um, I was uh, talking to. um, Oh, let me just finish the story though about my grandma. So I pick up the phone. After my grandmother leaves, after I cast her out, and uh, I literally cast her out in the name of Jesus and said, you know, you were a miserable person. And then after she left, I ran to the phone and I called my mother thinking, oh, she'll be so proud of me. And I said, mom, mom, your mom was just here. And she goes, what? And I said, yes, she was here. I mean, I could have hugged her, but I didn't. And um, she said, uh, well, what did she want? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, I threw her out and I told her what a miserable soul she was, what a pain in your butt she was, you know, and I let her know that I didn't appreciate how she treated you in this life. And I was very, very disappointed in her as a human soul. And my mom started crying and I said, mom, why are you crying? I threw her out. She was so mean to you. And she said, well, Terry, why didn't you just ask her what she wanted? And I said, because, Mother, I don't care what she wanted. And then I thought to myself, oh, isn't it just like my mother to keep teaching me lessons all my life? And I thought, uh, <laughs> those darn mothers. And um, and I thought, well, you know, she's probably right. I probably should have asked her what she wanted. But the truth was, I didn't really care, you know, um, there was no relationship there, really. I mean, I tried to love the woman mm-hmm. desperately, but it was very difficult. And and so I just did want to say that because I learned a lesson from that, even though I threw her out. And uh, there is one other uh, full body apparition I would like to share with you and hear what you have to say. So okay. I, was, I was engaged at a very young age to somebody I was madly in love with. His name was John. And... Um, We broke up and uh, it was pretty devastating for me. And years later, um, I had him show up, same doorway, same doorway, same house, and stand there. And I looked up. I had been reading a book. I'm always reading something. And um, I said, John, what are you doing in my house? And he had blue jeans on, Hirachi sandals, a nice blue T-shirt his his uh longer hair kind of curled real pretty um he he looked exactly as as he did and very handsome man very tall man and so then i looked i'm still looking at him and i thought wow doesn't he look terrific and because i hadn't seen him in years mm-hmm. and then and then it occurred to me and i said john what are you doing in my bedroom? And then common sense hit me. And I'm like, oh, crap, this isn't John, you know. And, <laughs> and I thought, and because, and, you know, I mean, the doorbell didn't ring. You know, hello, wake up, Terry. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so I'm like, oh, my God. And, and as that happened, true fear gripped me. I mean, it gripped me like I've never felt in my entire life. This was my moment of um, divine appointment. I was going to deal with fear, period, right now. And I mean, every hair was standing up. I was frozen. That term is actually a reality. I was frozen Mm -hmm. in fear. I could not move a muscle. And all of a sudden, I heard. Say the name of your Lord. And I thought, well, I was so scared I couldn't think. And I thought, Who's my Lord? What was his name? <laughs>
2: and I'm like, oh
4: darn, you know, and I couldn't think of it. And I'm like, why can't I think of his name? Why can't I think of his name? And and then I heard this voice say to me, See it when you spell it. And I went, Okay. Well, I don't know his name. I can't remember his name. I'm so scared I can't, I can't focus. And this apparition of John started uh, looking at me in a strange manner, not a good way. And it was even more frightening. And I said, J, J, J. It starts with a J. And so I saw the J and I said J. And then I'm like, oh, I know there's another. What's the next? Oh, what's his name? What's his name? And then I thought, E E J E J E okay 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 uh, J E and then I went oh god please what what is it and then it was S and I went oh yes J E S U S and I screamed out jesus and when I did that my spirit rose out of my body and I saw the back of my own head now, there's wow. a first. It literally, and I tell you truly on my life, I was looking at the back of my blonde hair and my left hand went straight out with my finger pointed, pointing at it. I was still frozen in fear, but my spirit rose up out of my being and cast this thing out. And when my finger pointed out the door, the the um, apparition of John went tornadic, but the face was so demonic. It was so frightening. I was still frozen in fear, watching this before my eyes. And so he's spinning like a tornado now, and he's going really fast. And then, boom, he goes down the hallway of my house and slams the door in my children's bedroom. And I freaked out and jumped up and ran outside. And I'm standing in the front yard, jumping up and down. I'm crying. I'm scared. I'm shaking. I'm thinking, I've just been thrown out of my own house. Oh, my God. There's something in the house. Oh, my God. You know, and and I'm just jumping up and down. And I'm like, how come I couldn't remember the name of Jesus? What the heck is wrong with me, you know? And I'm like, geez. And (laughs) And so I thought, okay. He went into my children's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. And he went into the children's room, which was another issue. And I thought, oh no, I've got to go back in there. I've got to get back in that house. He cannot be there to attack my children when they come home from school. He cannot be in there. And I thought, oh crap, I'm the only one home. I gotta do it. And I thought, no, no, Lord, no. So I opened the front door. I push it all the way open. I turn on the lights. It's broad daylight, for God's sake, and I'm turning on all the lights. And I'm walking in so slowly, and I'm just thinking, God, please protect me. Please be with me. Please protect me. Please walk ahead of me. And I'm walking now down that long hall to the bedroom with the door closed. And I put my hand on the doorknob, and i got to tell you guys something. The most powerful thing happened at that very moment because I had won the battle. Didn't even know I was in a battle, but I won it right then and there because my hand was on that door. And when I opened that door, I was enraged. There was no fear in this little girl. And I opened that door looking for that thing. I was ready to knock it into next week. And I thought, where are you? And I opened that door and there was nothing in the room. And I thought, okay, I'm dealing with a demonic entity. And I literally said, where are you? Get out of this room now. And I took authority over it and cast it out. And the house was fine but then my children started seeing things in the house and you know, they would come into me at night and be crying and shaking and fearful and telling me there was a man standing in their room. And Oh dear Lord, what I went through. How many
3: children do you have? And what, what are, what are they? Boys, girls, ages?
4: Yeah, I have two boys and, um, and, uh, they were, they were living with me then they were very young and, uh, You know this was all happening while they were going to school i mean their school years were some traumatic years for me dealing with all the different things that were happening and um even before they were born you know uh like when when my son jason was born um i had a vision of an angel come to me uh, about five months before he was born and say you'll have a son named jason And in the 70s, we did not have sonograms. We did not know you were going to have a boy or a girl. You just waited until your child popped out, and there you had it. You know, ta-da. And so uh, I kept telling all the doctors, oh, I'm going to have a boy, and his name will be Jason. And I remember they laughed at me at, like, you know, she doesn't have a clue. And uh, and so when uh, he was born, I asked Dr. Smith at, Uh, meese hospital in dunedin where he was born i said make sure you don't give me anything i don't want to be numb i want to have a natural childbirth i want to get it over with and he goes well you know gee you know you might want something i said no no i want to be cognizant i want to know immediately if it's a boy and so he said okay and it was only an hour delivery which is an absolute miracle in and of itself yeah all within an hour and uh and I, and uh, you know, Jason came out and I said, There he is, Jason. And Dr. Smith looked at me and he goes, Well, I'll be darned, it's Jason. <laughs> and, and then I had forgotten about that. And two years later, I had gotten pregnant with my second son. And about five months later, the exact same angel came and said, You'll have a son named him Joshua. That is the wow. truth. And many, many people in St. Pete know me for that. <laughs> <laughs> because I proclaimed it when it happened, and um, at the time, my husband was like, "Oh no, we're not naming him that," you know. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, we are," <laughs> you know. That's how it's going to be.
3: <laughs>
4: but anyway, I mean, weird things like like that was my life, you know. Uh, did you ever what, talk what, to the ex? What, what, go, go ahead,
3: son.
4: You ask, what did go you ahead. think
0: that? What did you think the demonic force, the demon, wanted of you? Why was it just to snuff your light? Why, what was this force uh, 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 coming against you to teach you? Or what, what was that really about?
4: I believe that God had allowed it in my life to teach me to overcome wickedness, evil and fear, things that would be uh-huh. in my path in my life and had been in my life. And yet I wasn't able to deal with, I lived in fear. When I was young, I was afraid to sleep with the lights off because so many things would happen. There would be people standing in shadows in the room. And I I knew I saw them because I go, okay, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And then the shadow would move right across the room and I'm like, oh crap, I saw that, you know? And so, I would try to talk myself out of it and I would put myself in such immense fear because I was alone. My mother was working and I would tell my mother, please stay home, take a day job, only day jobs. And she was like, you know, Terry, I can't, you know, so it had to be. And I just had to grow the heck up and deal with it. And uh, so, uh, you know,
0: so it seems that what you learned was to t- t- to turn fear into uh, effective action. Which was uh, which you used your anger to get you going. You turned it into something uh, uh, where you're proactive, really.
4: Right. I would say that that is right. And yet, once I had gotten to the point where I was, you know, completely uh, at peace with it all, with this plethora of things that had happened to me, I thought, okay, now it'll stop. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. It just kept coming. I mean, all the time it kept coming. And, um, you know, there were, t- like, when I was younger, for instance, my mother used to go see a psychic, this, this, uh, renowned psychic and it was it took six months to get an appointment with her and she was quite expensive in in uh saint petersburg and uh she took me down there in like 1967 uh to sit while she went in to be read and uh, she brought me into this place and the um the psychic uh we were about five minutes early and she yelled from the back room, I'll be out in a minute. You know? So she told my mom says to me, sit here, Terry, keep your mouth shut. Don't move. Don't touch a thing. And I was like, Oh geez, I really don't want to be here. This is kind of a little bit scary for me. You know, it's not enough that I have to sleep alone at night, you know, but now you're in a psychic's house and I'm like, Oh geez. And, um, so my mom, uh, is giving me all these instructions about don't speak, don't move, don't do anything, don't touch, you know, and the woman comes around the corner and she looks at my mother and she has her arms out to give her a hug and then her eyes meet mine and she starts screaming at the top of her lungs and I mean, she was as loud as you can imagine, a, a grown woman's voice screaming, and she started screaming, Mary, Mary, that's my mother's name, what is this child? And I'm just sitting there <laughs> looking at the woman like, oh, good grief, what is this all about? You know, she had me so scared, I wanted to get up and run, and my mother had told me, sit, still, don't move, don't talk. And you know, I'm thinking, I don't know that I can sit here with this screaming woman. She's frightening me. I I need to run. And And then she goes, look at her. God, I've never seen God in a child. I've never seen God ever like I've seen with this child. Look at that aura. Look at that girl. And my mother goes, don't look at my daughter. I paid for you to deal with me, not her. Wow. And so... Now they're having this and I'm sitting there going, What? (laughs) And I thought And this this psychic's name was Miriam and she was so freaked out by my aura and I didn't even know what an aura was. I I it scared me so bad because I'm like, What is something on me? Is you know, (laughs) what the heck is on me? And uh, (laughs) I've yeah, I got serious cooties and she's freaking out. I mean, still screaming and so my mother said no oh. you're not you're not reading her and she goes oh no she goes i don't need to read her and i thought well i don't know even what that to this day i don't know what that meant you know i uh, i, one I thing
0: wow. trouble be, between you and your mother that's a separator it's bound to make your mother and you uh, separate that's that was a that was a hex it,
4: you know that is crazy that you would say that cuz she and i Lived our whole life separated. I mean, oh, whole goodness. lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even though she was somewhat kind and loving, she was not the type of mother that any little girl needed. You know what I mean? I mean, little children need nurturing and care and three meals a day. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't get to eat a lot of times for days on end because we didn't have money. And uh, I remember I was, I passed out at school and they took me to the nurse's station and uh, the, my mother was called to come in and they told her, take her immediately to a doctor and the doctor, I'll never forget this. This was shocking to me because I had spent so many hungry, hungry years and, um, you know, Lonely years and difficult years, my mother was chastised by the doctor, and I sat there with a smile on my face because he said, Mary, this child is malnourished. She's ill. You've got to start feeding her properly. And he just gave wow. it to her and told her, If you don't do this, we're going to have to take her away from you. And that was my mother's wake up call. And, uh, you know, I think she then realized. You know, so, yes, I became this tension in my mother's life for sure, you know, but again, it was also used in, you know, the silver lining was I was learning about life. I was learning about being here in the land of the living, you know, and you've got to be able to make your own way no matter who you are. You've got to find your strength within yourself and excel. You know you've
0: got to be discerning <laughs> well that's discernment is, is is obvious that you developed a a, a, a an, an, an analyst an intelligence that, that you know uh, that uh, uh, you needed to to cope with that situation I each i see all these steps in your path and uh and how you just keep opening and opening this is wonderful do go on with your story
3: <laughs> right and I just want to tell you In two minutes we're going to be at the top of the hour in a commercial break but go ahead Until the music comes on
4: Oh, okay. Well, um, I'll tell you about something that happened in 1980 that I thought was really you know, interesting because, uh, like I said, it just never stopped. Things just didn't stop. So I'm uh, in my house, and I'm uh, doing the laundry, and I take all the laundry in the basket from the laundry room into the bedroom, and I thought I'll put the TV on and watch a little TV. So I put the basket on the bed, and I'm standing next to the bed, and I'm folding clothes, and all of a sudden, a huge indent in the mattress. Somebody sat down. <laughs> and I, I, that
3: happens.
4: I swear to God, I was like, what? And I backed away holding whatever piece of clothes was, and I was like putting it up to my face going, what now? You've got to be kidding. I can't even do the laundry, and, and so, you know, it, it really went down pretty heavy. And I thought, I don't know who is sitting on my bed, but I said, to, and I don't know why I did this. It's kind of like a joke, but I said, I'm going to sit down now. You get out of here. And I sat right where it was indented. And then I got up, it was still indented. So I sat right oh. on the bed. And then when I got up, the indent left and i said get out of this house in the name of jesus leave me alone and it left
3: <laughs> and i've so, heard that when you evoke jesus or your, you know whatever you belief, when you evoke that entity i've
4: heard that that works it oh. does work to get rid of dark horses yeah you know and it lickety split it works All right, so we
3: are going to be uh, in a five minute break here, so we will be back in five minutes. See you in five.
2: Today, that their population is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge. Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitors' peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth.
0: Who are you? I am the architect.
5: I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. Why am I here? You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision, which has led you inexorably here. You haven't answered my question. The Matrix is older than you know. As you are undoubtedly gathering, the anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equation, choice.
1: Problem is choice. Right here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Be here Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Private Eye Matrix Revealed with Monique Lassan. Hello,
5: my name is Mr. Rowe. I am the host of Reality Extraction. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I utilize logic, intellect, and magic to methodically autonomize, vivisect, analyze, examine, study, scrutinize, and extract an essence of reality from a fog of illusion and confusion. You can find me on Studio B every Thursday at 1700 hours Pacific time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. No topic taboo, no subject, too strange. I strive to take a neutral standpoint during the dissection of the topic at hand, that's reality extraction with Mr. Rowe on Revolution Radio.
2: This is Thomas, a.k.a. a a Mad Painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open
1: Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here.
5: tuning in to revolution radio here at revolution radio we are listener sponsored and commercial free but there still are bills to pay in order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost our station is offering a silver special in the continental united states for a 60 dollar donation or in alaska hawaii or canada for a 70 dollar donation we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one ounce pure silver eagle The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.
0: Back, back, back. Schedule B on Revolution Radio every Saturday night, 6 to 8 p.m. You get outer space. You get honest answers. Real researchers. Truthful answers. And a place to engage with questions. Take part in the discussion. Revolution Radio on FreedomSips.com. Host Collision Course every Saturday. From 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m., to 7 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time.
2: It happens more often than we can imagine. In my case, I was sitting at home, and out of nowhere, I just started feeling uncomfortable. Then it got worse, and I started perspiring. I tried to ignore it, but I waited too long. The chest pain came as we were driving to the hospital emergency. I felt my life clock begin to tick. I barely survived. There was lots of damage done to my heart. What do I do now? I was lucky. I took a leap of faith and tried a seven herb formula with Hawthorn, Garlic, Cayenne and more called Extendivite. Herbs have been used for thousands of years to keep us healthy. If you're not using Extendivite as a preventative supplement, maybe it's time to start. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendover.
3: Aloha and welcome back to Stardate to the Cosmos, and I'm Janet Carolison with Dr. Sasha Alex producer Thomas Becker, uh, and our guest is Terry lynch And We are talking about all kinds of incredible things, and we're going to continue in this second hour, but before we get back to our show, I need to remind everybody to please, please go over to that donation button on Revolution.Radio. And make your donation this week because we really, really, really need these donations. It's what keeps us on the air and keeps us with updated equipment so we can bring everything to you. And Becker, uh, Mad Painter, what's our fundraising uh, level like? How we do? How we do? 25
0: uh, we need twenty-five fifty, and we got twelve eighty-four, and it's the sixteenth. We're really a little shy for on average. So please donate, people. We we don't have a special going at yes. now. Sorry. Okay, that's okay. We're, we just need some money.
3: Okay, Sasha, Doctor Al, beautiful, beloved husband. <laughs> what do you want to say before we bring Terry? You
0: there? Yes. I'm here. Uh, for, uh, okay. Can, yes. Okay. So, but I remember uh, what we're doing here, uh, if you will, is we're identifying uh, with uh, Terry. And she's had some wonderful experiences that just, uh, if we can just let yourself be her and go along with her, you're going to have a great experience because she's had some great experiences that will help us all. So,
3: Terry, um, there's three things we want to cover in this last part of the show. How you discovered Jesus, how he appeared to you, your extra terrestrial encounters and how you got involved with move on and uh how you got into demonology so lots to cover we might not get through it all but take it away let's
4: do as much as we can okay well yes i'll talk fast <laughs> <laughs> um so right i mean there is a whole plethora here of things that are involved in all of this and and uh my experience is um have kind of overlaid i believe in extraterrestrial spiritual the ghost the paranormal and uh the you know demonology angels and it i see that it's all just a part of the path as we're walking each other home we all have these different experiences and uh it's so helpful to share and i hope that i can help somebody or you know people can contact me if they'd like if they have questions but um yeah so it was 1973 i was not looking for christianity i wasn't looking for jesus i wasn't looking for anybody i was living my life and loving every second of it and um i uh one evening i was uh over at a friend's house i was getting ready to go through a divorce and uh, my friend had invited me over and uh, we were over there chatting and and hanging out and uh I did not know that my friend who was a male friend that had asked me to marry him, I was married at the time, so you know, not exactly goody two shoes, but uh, he had asked me to marry him and leave my husband and I said, well, okay, you know, uh, I've known you a long time and you know, you and I get along and I think that could work out, blah, blah, blah. But little did I know there was a knock on the door and in came my husband at the time. and. Yeah. And I looked at the other guy and I was like, you're doing this all behind my back. You've been talking to him and I didn't even know about it, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm just not going to have anything to do with either one of you. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I thought at that time that was kind of creepy, but, uh, you know, because trust is such a big thing in a relationship and there was no trust, you know, and of course I wasn't trustworthy, but there was no trust. (laughs) And, um, -hmm. I, uh, I got ready to leave and as I did, I looked at both of them and I said something about how disappointed I was and how angry I was and as I turned to leave, I put the hand on the door and uh, I I, I think I said, I'm not going to make a decision for either one of you and then I heard this voice, very powerful very powerful did I say very powerful? It sounded like Niagara Falls mm-hmm. and and it said very clearly that is not the only decision that you have to make and I thought to myself as I was facing the door I had my hand on the doorknob I thought who the hell is that uh, literally that's what I thought I'm sorry and um, I turned and when I turned between my husband and this other man was standing the Lord and I, I screamed because it was unbelievable. I mean, I am talking the most gorgeous, amazing man standing right in the middle. And I thought to myself, whoa, I'll take what's behind door number three. I mean, I literally mm-hmm. said that because he was stunningly beautiful, stunningly gorgeous. And radiating this, like, it was radiating a shekinah glory literally and Mm -hmm. as as i was looking at him he rebuked me for lusting which i've never been rebuked didn't even know what the word meant didn't know there was a word you know and Mm -hmm. my head went back like it was almost knocked off my shoulders it went all the way back but real quickly and then it came forward and all of a sudden i'm looking at into the eyes of this amazing being and it, there are no words really. And I put my hands up in front of my face and said, don't look at me, don't look at me. And I felt my shame and my guilt for cheating. I felt my shame for not being trustworthy or dependable. And, uh, he, he literally, his eyes moved my hands He just stood there looking at me, but his eyes were so powerful. It was like they were literally flames of fire just burning my hands away from my face. And as my hands went away from my face, again, I'm looking right into his eyes, and he's standing so close to me. And he held his hand out to me, and he said, you are my chosen child. And I looked him in the eyes, and I said, chosen? For what? You know? And then I looked at his hand, and through his hand, there was a hole in his hand so big I could see the carpet through the hole in his hand. And I thought, Are you kidding me? And then I looked back into his eyes and I said, Who are you, the Lord? you know and I, I still wasn't even sure but i thought yeah it's got to be he's got holes in his hands you know there was something about mm-hmm. a cross and being somewhat catholic i knew there was something about a cross and he was hung on a cross and that's really the extent of it and mm-hmm. then he reached out to me and handed me something but i couldn't see it but i my arms reached out and took it and they they came it it came inside of me and i thought wow what is that i felt like i had just gotten a b12 shot or something you know i mean something had happened right there and my whole being was going through a metamorphosis of of some sort and then he put something over my shoulders like it was a cloak and it was heavy it felt like drapery for heaven's sakes you know like you know, remember in the 70s how everybody had that mm-hmm. real thick velvet drapery? It felt like right. velvet drapery. And I just stood there feeling, oh, my God, I'm so covered in this. And then he put something on my head, and it was very heavy. I mean, my head was actually kind of going down a little. And I thought, what is this? What What am I, queen for the day? You know, I actually said that out loud. And I could not believe what was happening to me. And then he said to me, you must be born of the spirit. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He said, you must be born again. And I said, what? I'm 21 years old. What What am I supposed to do? Crawl back up inside my mother? I said, oh, come on. What is that? and i thought you got to be kidding me this isn't right and he said you must be born of the spirit and i thought what does that mean so he, he, his, here's what's crazy. His lips never moved. He was talking to me through his eyes. It yeah, was all all telepathic, all mental telepathy. And his eyes were fixed on me. They never moved. He stared right into my eyes the entire time. It was captivating.
3: Did anybody else see him or sense him?
4: Yes, both men sitting one to my left, one to my right were in freeze form. They could move their eyes, but they couldn't move. They were in the room watching me go through all this. And I let out a guttural scream. I went down on my knees. I went all the way to the floor. And uh, I was in this black place. I mean, I couldn't see anything. It was like I was transferred now somewhere else, and I was dead. Oh, and I forgot to say... Just before that happened, he said, truly, this day you will die. And I laughed. And I thought, 21, I'm in perfect health. (laughs) you got to be kidding me. And boom, my body hit the floor. It hit it so hard. And then I felt a crack from the top of my head all the way down to my feet. And it went very, very slowly. And I was in pitch, utter pitch black. It was a place of strange hopelessness. It was crazy. And I I had never experienced anything like that. And so then I just rose right up to my feet. How that happened, I don't even know. I I didn't consciously do that. And I rose right up. And as I stood up, um, he was still there. And he kept talking to me and telling me things and saying these things I had never heard before. Uh, his deep, deep love for humanity, his deep, deep love for me. And, um, this was my day of birth. This was my day of reckoning. I was born Mm -hmm. again. And I never heard any of those words. I swear I had never heard any of that. And so, uh, I asked him, well, what do you want me to do? And he went and stood next to my then-husband at the time. And I thought, oh, you want me to go back with him? And, you know, that was a little hard for me because that wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was what he was telling me to do. And so I said, okay, and and I picked up my purse, and I eventually ran out of the house. And I thought, okay, that was crazy, that was crazy. And I drove back home, and I left the two guys at the house. When I got back to the house, I thought it was all over. And there was this guy that we had known, he was a Christian, and uh, and I said, oh my God, you know, everything you ever told me was true. Um, he was there watching watching my son Jason, that's why he was at the house while my um, husband was there at the time. And so I said, everything you ever told me was true, Dean, everything was true. There really is a God, I just saw him. And, and he looked at me and he goes, what? <laughs> and I said, oh, I said, you know, the Jesus that you had once talked about, I met him. I just talked to him. I, I just saw him. He was over at Ed's and he's looking at me like I'm out of my freaking mind. He just mind.
3: stopped by Ed's house.
4: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And and Dean looked at me and he goes, no, no, no. He goes, Christians don't actually see him. And I said, well, then why the hell would you believe in him if you don't even see him? You know, if you don't know him, why are why do you believe in him? And he said, Well, because I read about him and I said, Oh, well you can you can know him. I, I just met him. And I'm telling Dean all this and Dean says to me, Oh my God. So he runs in the house and he gets on the phone and he calls his pastor and he tells his pastor, This girl just saw the Lord. You know, and of course that led to me being on TV and radio and every other darn thing and people are asking me what he looked like and how tall was he and blah 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 and you know, I mean people were just So what did he look like? Well, he was-
3: How tall is he? He's
4: about 5'10". He was absolutely stunning. His hair was pure white and it came right to his shoulders. His eyes are so demanding. They're so, oh my God. There really aren't words profound. Um, Brown, (laughs) they were brown, brown. but, but they were like fire. There was like fire in them. They were not literal fire, but power that consumed me. And I mean, I wasn't somebody who believed this stuff, okay? not a, And I didn't read it. I wasn't a Bible believer at the time. I knew nothing. I could not have told you who Jesus Christ was or what he did. I, I knew that he hung on a cross, but i that's about it. Somebody killed mm-hmm. him. Yeah, that's what I knew. And uh, was
3: there anybody else in the room that
4: saw besides your? Nobody saw, the people, but they no, they both felt it and knew something profound had happened. But no, um, nobody uh, actually knew anything. Did um, uh, you go back to
3: that place, and were there any kind of markings or? Yeah, I, I know I, in my scientific, I scientists. I did go back. <laughs>
4: Yeah, he told me never to go back, and he said to leave when he told me oh, to leave, okay. and, and so I didn't. Um, you know, most of my life I was a pretty good kid, I got to say, you know, if I was told mm-hmm. to do something, I did it. I was really, I respected authority, I respected adults, of course, you know, I know now that was foolish, but, because, um, you know, not all adults can be respected, and and they're not all in authority, but at the time, <clears throat> I believed that. So uh, anyway, I get home and I think it's over, and it's not over. Another three hours goes by, and he's still talking to me. I'm still getting data dumps, but I don't see him anymore. Now he's just there. I can feel his presence, and he's talking to me, and he's telling me, you know, what ah uh, what I'm going to do. And how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do what is right. And uh, I then knew I had to go to church. I then knew I had to find a church. I needed to study. He was telling me to become a um, a teacher of the word. And I had been chosen for this. And I thought, well, I, I don't know, you know. Uh, I guess I'll do this, you know. And uh, I was always very... Um, uh, musical. I, I sang my whole life, you know, in and out of mm-hmm. different things I did. I was singing and I was singing in New York and I knew I would be singing on the worship team. There were so many things that he was showing me. And uh, a couple times he actually came and took me out of my body and uh, took me to a heavenly realm, another. It looked like earth, but it wasn't earth. And he showed me many, many things. So this is why I believe, not because somebody preached to me, although Dean did tell me that Jesus was real. And there was a guy about two months before this happened. And I was at a party with that same husband that I was going to leave. And uh, his name was um, Ron. And uh, he had just come home from uh, Vietnam. And uh, he hit his hand on the on a desk and said if i died tomorrow jesus christ is lord and i laughed i remember laughing thinking oh that's so funny you know this guy's a kook and he did it a second time but this time he looked right at me and he goes you know there's something about you i like you there is something about you and he slammed his hand down on the desk again and said if i die tomorrow jesus christ is lord And I'm like, okay, buddy, chill out, you know, we're at a party here, you know, have a beer. And um, again, he did it a third time, which really blew me away. And he hit the desk again, looking me right in the eyes and said, if I die tomorrow, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, that was the one and only time I saw him, met him, spoke with him. The next day, Dean had called me and he was killed in an automobile accident. On uh, on US nineteen going to Georgia to pick up his fiance so they could get married.
3: Wow,
4: that was profound. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and so yeah, and so the Lord reminded me of that. I had forgotten that because I just thought, well, that guy was kook oh my god but he died the next day how crazy is that his name was ron bennett and and i went to his grave and i kneeled at his grave and i just wept and said i had no idea why did you do that did you do that on purpose or were you an angel what was that all about you know Mm -hmm. but it it taught me again even though i was having all this crazy demonic stuff happening all the time that god is who he says he is and uh it isn't up for discussion oh. <laughs> when yeah, you're, Yeah, in presence. Goes,
0: yeah uh, you know, it goes, even. What, it, what I, what I get is, is, is that you're resonating uh, that, in, that in some way that you are able to feel uh, through that universal compassion uh, for, for everybody that somehow that's you too. Now is do I, am I getting you right?
4: I think so. I mean, I don't, I'm not, You know, I tell everybody at my MUFON meetings, this is funny, my IQ is only 136. And I go, I'm only functioning on 136 watts. Don't expect too much. You know, I don't don't know everything, (laughs) you know, Sasha. I don't know everything, and I I don't pretend to. I humbly approach life, and I, I don't know what all the answers to the big questions are, except that this I know. These were my stories. This is my life. This is the compilation of me living here on the planet. And I always say in the land of the living, because we are alive and we are in charge in this generation. And, uh, you know, I just lost my brother um, last week and Sunday we went to his funeral. And uh, he's been reaching out to me. It's just amazing. And uh, he woke me up and he was a jokester and I had set my my clock for uh, 4.30 to get up to drive across the state and uh sure enough he shows up uh w- ringing the the alarm clock in another room that hasn't been set for over a year and a half at 2 30 in the morning because he knows i like to be prompt and i thought oh my gosh and several different things other than that have happened we've had some odors in the house and different things and, and i i just find it all interesting and i told him the other day uh Don't touch me, Phil. Don't appear to me. But I know you're here. You know,
3: (laughs) yeah. Uh,
0: You you know, it it might be very interesting to find out uh, what his interests are. What is motivating him to uh, hang out with you? uh, To see if you can find that out, at least.
4: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I would imagine because we were close. He was an experiencer. Um, my whole family has had uh, extraterrestrial involvement. And um, uh-huh. my my mother, had uh, seen extraterrestrials my brother phil who passed had extraterrestrials in his life i have had extraterrestrials my son joshua has had extraterrestrials and um my sister roberta has had them as well i just found out today because we were talking just Today I found that out. She said, well, she was stationed in Rhode Island. Uh, she had extraterrestrial involvement and I thought I've lived my whole life and not known that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) But, but anyway, yeah, I uh, haven't even really talked to her about it, but, uh, Yeah,
0: that's the very, very best thing that you can do is all you got together and you shared your stories and hung out until you get the stories out and, and you'll just stimulate each other to remember so much more even.
4: Right, which is why I started that blog, TerryLing.com, because there's so many stories, and I thought, I need to leave these and pass the baton to the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, you know, and that sort of thing, and uh, family that doesn't know me that well. And, um, you know, you think you know everything about your life, and I just found out I have a stepbrother I didn't even know I had. (laughs) (laughs)
2: At the funeral, at
4: the funeral. So, you know, I have had quite experience this week and, you know, and then Phil's been hanging out (laughs) and uh, I, I did want to talk about that because, you know, uh, my mom, like I said, she, 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 told me the night that I had my first experience with extraterrestrial craft and, an, and a tall white extraterrestrial. Uh, it was 1979, and I was coming home from work late one night, and um, it was about 2 o'clock uh, when I got off work, and I was home about maybe 2.30ish, 2 2.20, something like that. And as I'm coming down the street to make a left into my neighborhood, hovered over a railroad track is a craft. And I'm looking at it and I'm slapping my face going, what the heck? Here I'm this strong Christian, I'm this demonologist, I'm, you know, working through all that. And now I've got this. And my words were this, Lord Jesus, are you kidding me? And I literally said, how can this be? This is comic book entertainment. How could this be? And I'm seeing this craft clearly floating over the railroad track. And my car comes to a dead stop as I'm coming up to the railroad track. And I'm like about 100 feet away from this thing. And it's no noise. And the most beautiful blue light is going along the center of it very slowly. Just gorgeous. And I'm staring at it looking for rivets or doors or windows. Nothing. Nothing. It's the perfect piece, like one piece it's made out of. You can't see anything. And I just couldn't believe that. And I kept saying, this can't be real. And I slapped myself a few times thinking, did I fall asleep? You know, am I dreaming? And, mm-hmm. and then I thought to myself, oh, my God, I slapped myself. I'm awake. My car shut off. And I said this to myself, whatever you do, Terry, don't get out of the car. No sooner did that leave my my mouth and my hand was on the doorknob, opening the door, the car door. And I'm right. I'm saying I'm saying to myself, I'm having like this bipolar moment, no, no, don't get out of the car. And my body is getting out of the car. And you now I'm standing, I'm standing outside of my car door. I've got my hands on. I had a Honda Civic. It was a really tiny car. And I'm white knuckling, holding on to the door jam. And I'm looking at this thing. And the whole time, I'm talking to the Lord going, are you kidding me? And I said out loud, if this is real, then they are not teaching me truthfully at church. I'm not learning the truth. What am I learning? What's happening? And I I just thought, I know I heard the Lord say to me, there is so much you yet do not know. And I thought, well, bring it on. I need to know. I have a need to know here, you know, because I don't want to live my life in stupidity. I want to live my life knowing. And so sure enough, now I'm standing in front of the vehicle and I'm like, how am I, how did I get from the door jam to the vehicle? I don't know. And now I'm looking down at the at the uh, street, it's a blacktop street, and my feet are not on the ground. I'm literally about a half a foot up off of the ground, I'm suspended in air, and I'm like, no way, <laughs> this cannot be... And then I look over to my right, and this huge blue light hits me in the face. It was huge. And and a tall, white, extraterrestrial being was standing in it. And he was so ugly, so oh, frightened. Ugly I did not want to look at him. And I kept saying, don't look at that. Don't look at that. And and I looked down at the ground, and again, I was shocked that my feet were not walking. I was floating towards this ugly ugly creature and scared a little bit but not really it's like i was freaked out that it was a new situation but i wasn't you know like wanting to run run but i was just like what is going on and i said this out loud nothing can happen to me that god does not allow so if god has allowed this i'm good i'm good you know i'm not alone here Mm -hmm. we're never alone and so, the next thing I know, I'm inside this craft. There was a second craft, which I originally did not see. That one was still hovered over the railroad tracks, but the one to the right was in the um, off to the right of the railroad tracks in a like big uh, empty, <clears throat> I guess you'd call it a uh, like a lawn, just a lawn. And um, it was there. And uh, now I'm inside, and I'm laying down on some uh, platform, and everything is white light. It's like <clears throat> there were no lights in, in the room. The light was coming out of the wall. The light was coming out of the floor. And I thought, well, that's weird. There's no lights, but the room is lit. Right. Right you know it was just happening it was just in the room and uh the tall white was standing right at my shoulder and as i looked down there were uh three gray aliens excuse me a minute <coughs> excuse me and, okay you're good and so um i saw that one was right holding my ankle my left ankle and i thought oh my god what is that? What is that? And the next thing I remembered was the tall white looked right down at me, who was right by my right uh, shoulder. And without having a mouth, he did not have a mouth. He had a huge head. He had large eyes. And he looked right at me and I could hear him talking, which blew me away. And he said to me, we are not going to take you, we are not going to hurt you. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, I mean, I I don't know why it was just so easy. The next thing I remember was being back in front of my car looking at the uh, same original UFO hovered over the railroad tracks. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, what just happened to me? And as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking all of a sudden, now I know this sounds bizarre, but it's the truth. I said, Don't leave me, don't leave me, please don't leave me. And I was almost pleading, like begging. And then I said to myself, What are you saying? Why are you <laughs> saying that? And I'm like, Terry, what is wrong with you? And and I, I thought. Who are these people? What, are, what, are, what is this? You know, I don't get it. And so then I did it again. I said, please, don't leave me. Don't leave me. And again, I'm crying. It's like I'm having literally this weird thing going on within me. And, um, and I actually said out loud, am I not good enough? Haven't I been good enough? And I don't know, you know, when I said that, I was like, why Why are they not taking me? Why are they leaving me here? And I'm standing in the middle of the street. There is mm-hmm. not a car. There is not a breeze. There is not a sound. There is nothing but me and, a, and two crabs. And mm-hmm. I don't see the tall white or the grays any longer because now I'm back in front of my little Honda Civic. And all of a sudden, it goes completely vertical. It, it literally flips from being, you know, hovered over the railroad tracks to vertical, and I don't know how long it did that, but uh, it shocked me, and I went, oh, my God, as if this isn't weird enough, and then it shot out about five to 600 feet and came to a dead stop in the sky, and I'm like, oh, my God, it stopped, and I thought, oh, come back, come back, come get me, you know, and, and it, it didn't move. It just stayed there. And I thought, what are they thinking about it? You know, I mean, I didn't know what to think. And then from the underside of the belly, because it was still in vertical mode, came a, a really big, the same size as the craft, ball of fire. And I could hear that ball of fire crackling, literally, like energy, crackling energy. It was freaking awesome. But it it was just Overwhelming. I could not wrap my mind around all this, and I said to the Lord, "Are you kidding me?" You know, I didn't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. And then, as I'm sitting there looking at it, I, I was like, "Please, don't leave me here." And with that, they both, at an unbelievable rate of speed, headed to the west, like and gone. I mean, from zero to absolute hyperspeed in a set in a flat second. And they were gone and I'm standing in the middle of the street now, just standing there by myself going, what? I wasn't good enough. What What did I do wrong? What happened? You know, so I'm just sitting there thinking, why did they leave me? And I, I couldn't go home. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I got to talk to somebody who knows me, somebody who loves me, somebody who would understand me and know that I'm telling the truth. And so I got in the car and I drove to my mother's, which was literally a minute from my house. Um, she was right on the very street that it happened on, but to the to the left, and I was to the right. And so um, I get to her house. I knock on the door, and, uh, you know, I, I her husband comes to the door, and he goes, Terry, what are you doing here at this hour of the morning? And I'm like, you know, it's not morning, you goof, it's night. You know, it's like 2.30 or something, you know, and I'm like, oh, he doesn't know. He's so tired. He doesn't know what time it is. And uh, he lets me in, and he goes, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I, I literally said, Marty, you're still sleeping. And, and I said, please, let me talk to my mother. I said, I've got to talk to my mother. And so my mom hears me at the door, and he goes, who is it, Marty? And he goes, it's Terry. And she says, well, for God's sake, let her in. And so, you know, so I get in there and I go, mom, put the coffee on. I got to talk to you. I got to tell you what just happened. And then, of course, as I'm telling her all this, she's just sitting there listening and looking at me. And I thought, oh, God, she's going to call the police and have me committed. And and then she just hits me on the, on the knee and she goes, honey, it's okay. I've seen them too.
3: Oh, my goodness.
4: Oh, yeah. And you would think that that would have been, you know, a good thing but it made me angry and i started screaming at her and i said how in the world could you have allowed me to be 27 years old live this long and not not tell me about this why didn't you educate me how could you do this to me and uh yeah so you know my mom and i always had something going on you know there's always this little spiritual battle and uh and so, anyway, so I found out that she had also seen uh, USOs come right up out of the water when she was down in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, she shared that with me that night. So, oh. yeah, so that was that happening. Well, that's and, what we
3: find, that a lot of times these experiencers are multi-generational. Yes. it's not unusual.
4: Yeah, you know. yeah. I'd, and I have no idea why they chose us. I have no idea why he didn't take me that night. <laughs> but you know, it sure was well, you not... you weren't a,
3: good enough. I don't know.
4: Was, I, yeah, I was a bad girl. <laughs> I you don't were. know what happened. <laughs> Well they it's, they it. do, they
3: tell you like you're special and all that's up and then it's like, What? I'm not good enough to take me? You were telling me I'm special all along. Come on. But yeah,
4: well, Jesus, on yeah, but the, Jesus was telling me I was special.
0: <laughs> did any of uh, did any of uh, uh, of you of you know of your brothers or sisters or anyone in your in, see each other? Do you did you witness each other on, on the craft? Did any of you connect at, on that level?
4: No, no. Oddly enough, no. And you know, I thought about that over the the years. You know, it's weird. Uh, very individual uh, happenings. In very different ways, uh, Joshua and I were one one time having a mom and son date night, and I was coming home from Tampa with him. Uh, we had been to a movie and a and dinner, and as we're going over the uh, Howard Franklin Bridge from Tampa to St. Pete, I see these three lights off to the left, and I looked at him and I said, Josh, humor me, keep your eyes on those lights. I'm going about sixty miles an hour on the bridge, and um, He goes, oh, yeah, Mom, it's going to be a UFO. And I go, "Uh, no, uh, Josh, humor me, that is a UFO. And he goes, oh, it's just an airplane. And and then he starts looking, and he goes, Mom, that's not an airplane. And I said, no, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, honey, that's not an airplane. And he said, oh, my God. He goes, what the heck is that? And I said, well, honey, I I think that's a UFO. That's what we would call a UFO. And he... um, and of course I was working for MUFON at the time. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a certified field investigator. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm looking at, but he doesn't. And so this was the night that he came to believe and to make a long story short, uh, it crossed over Tampa Bay and, and settled over a area called Sawgrass Lake in St. Petersburg. And it hovered there, uh, the three lights. And then as we got closer and closer and closer to the lights, they morphed into a huge black triangle with lights. I mean lights. And it was amazing. And then it went down into Sawgrass Lake, never even ruffled a leaf on a tree. And yet it was hovered over the treetops and you could not hear anything. It was unbelievable. And he became an instant believer. He was hanging out of the car window hanging on, you know, here I am doing 65 miles an hour, and he's hanging out the window uh, trying to get a better look at it. It was just a really powerful experience, but it was his first experience. Most right. people who hang out with me end up having an experience, which is interesting because my my uh, current husband um, hadn't ever really seen one. And uh, we've had uh, a couple right on our lanai on the pool deck just recently. We just had one um, about uh, two weeks ago go over uh, the house, and it was amazingly beautiful. It was a really beautiful opportunity to have together, you know so
3: you have an amazing life so you had all this stuff happen to you and now you're a MUFON what do you what's your role with MUFON
4: tell us about that well with MUFON I am a um, field investigator but uh, I'm also um, on the international star team I'm also uh, a um, director of memberships, I'm on the board of directors, and uh, I've been formerly an ASD and an SSD and an FI, which is an assistant state director and a state section director. And uh, I've been working with them since about 2010, and uh, I was led to them. I did not look them up. Another story, and I'll try to make it fast, (laughs) because I know we're kind of running out of time. But um, uh, I'm sitting at home in uh, 2008, I'm sitting on my couch, I'm retired now, and uh, I'm flipping through a town and country magazine, and all of a sudden, a very powerful male voice says to me, get up, go to the computer, report your sighting. And I knew exactly what he was telling me to do and boom i got i didn't even question it i said okay i got right up i went to the computer i went oh gee how do you do that typed in report a ufo boom mufon came up and i i was like okay so i i did everything they said to do it's it's flawless it's so easy to do and Mm -hmm. i just typed in the thing and hit send and uh, somebody contacted me told me yes uh i i You know, I just told you that uh, story about 1979. That's the one that I reported. And oddly enough, I knew that's what they wanted me to report. So I reported it. Somebody called me. They investigated it. Yes, that is seen. Other people have seen it, blah, blah, blah. And um, that was it. Now, my mom had told me never to talk about it. So I didn't really want to break... Uh, And be disobedient or anything, but I did report it, but then I didn't talk about it. My mother died in (laughs) 2009 and in 2010, oddly enough, I'm sitting on the same couch in the same living room looking at a current town and country. Same voice, male voice, very powerful, says, go to the computer, revisit your sighting. And I thought, oh, Okay, yeah, I made that report. So I got up and I went to the computer, brought it up, and uh, I looked looked online and it said, become a field investigator. And so that's when I became a field investigator. And ever since then, I have been with MUFON working with them and have had many experiences. We were going to talk about the healing, you know, the extraterrestrial healing that I had, but I don't know that we would have much time for that well, we
3: because got about, it, uh, yeah. about uh, 9 minutes so what do we whatever you want to tell us in the next 9 minutes we're going to greatly appreciate cuz we'll have you back again for sure sometime but let's well, do what we can
4: okay i uh in 2012, in, well, let's go to 2000, in 2000, I was told that I had Crohn's colitis disease and I was going to die. And if I did not get a uh, subtotal colectomy, I'd be dead very shortly because I was very ill. I had been bleeding very heavily for a very long time and I was at the end of all that. So I mm-hmm. had to, I had to have a surgery and I went in to have the surgery. And uh, in the surgery, something went a bit wrong. And it was an eight, eight and a half hour surgery. And so, um, six weeks after I had it, I had to have the surgery again because there was some kind of a bleed going on that they couldn't find. So when I went back, uh, I, I had the second surgery, but I was always in a a huge amount of pain, just a really a lot of pain and, um, it wouldn't go away. And so for 12 years now, fast forward, it's 2012. And I am laying in bed one night, and, uh, you know, I've had this pain for so long. It's just something I learned to live with. I couldn't wear a belt. I couldn't wear tight pants. I couldn't wear uh, blue jeans or anything like that, you know, unless they were kind of stretchy. And uh, it was just really painful all the time. It never went away. And uh, I'm laying in bed one night. I'm sleeping. My husband's sleeping. He's right in the bed with me. And all of a sudden, I roll over. And right there, next to my bed, is a very short reptilian, but he has a different type of scale than the other reptilians I've seen. Um, And he had a different face than the other reptilians I've seen. Um, His scales were more yellowish-red, and the other reptilians were always a greenish-gray. So he was very different. And he was holding a wand, a very biological-looking wand. It was like a living wand, no kidding. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, there was two, it was like in a Y the wand was in a Y it was long. And then it went in a Y and, uh, one side of the Y had a, like a tentacle, like you would see on a, um, uh, oh what are those things called octopus and it it had like a suction head on it. And the other tentacle was like what, what you would see in a flower, all wrapped real tight, like, you know, and then it opens up as it goes, you know, real long. It gets, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right or, you know, but it was wound real tight and, and it was like a leaf that opens and, uh, it was wound real tight and it started opening and this extraterrestrial, uh, just simply was looking at me and talking to me and he said to be still that's all he said be still and I thought uh oh yeah and um and he inserted this vaginally and that long thing that was unwinding wrapped itself very very quickly like around the area on my right side on my stomach where the surgery had been that had gone awry and uh, it wrapped it so tight and there was like a heat involved with it and the other one attached itself to me vaginally and uh, I was getting these very strong, very strong pulses and uh, just really odd okay nothing like that had ever happened to me before ever and uh, i was just like you got to be kidding me lord you know you got to be kidding me and yet he was gone then like all of a sudden he was done and he was gone and i'm still having this vibrational energy i had that vibrational energy for nine hours In the interim, after about three hours, I was like a little bit freaked, and I decided to call the ERT team with MUFON, and I reported what was happening, and I said, I think I'm going to go to the doctors at at the hospital, and they said, no, no, try to put that off. What are you going to tell them? An extraterrestrial, you know, and I'm like, yeah, what am I going to tell them? So, I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm stuck. I'm going to have to stay home here, (laughs) And, and nine hours later, it stopped. And the second it stopped, I was completely pain-free. I did not have pain until the second I could hit myself as hard as I want on that right side and there was no pain. Now, go figure. I, I would have never believed it if somebody told it to me, but because it happened to me, I am telling you, this is what happened. So, uh, amazing. it's just amazing. But, you know, if we have a couple minutes left, I do want to just invite all of your listeners to the Moufont Symposium. Uh it's going to be in Irvine, California, July twenty sixth through the twenty eighth. And we are having our fiftieth anniversary. So we're real excited about that. <laughs> we're fifty years old.
3: Yeah. So you're going <laughs> are you going?
4: I am. I will be there, uh, part of the board, and I will also be there for the, uh, as the director of memberships. And uh, I would love to have people come and please come and introduce yourself to me. And I'd love to talk to you and meet you. Um, but James Peniston will be there, and uh, Paul Stonehill, Dr. Irina Scott, Paul Hynek, and A.J. Gavard, and uh, Cheryl Costa, Klaus Swan. Stanton Friedman, Dr. Lynn Katai, Dr. Joseph Burks, Adam Curry, and, uh, we'll have an astronaut there, Blaine Hammond, uh, Jan Harzan, of course, will be there. He's our executive director. And Ken St. John, he, what an amazing man. Dr. Robert Wood, Kathleen Marden, and Dr. George Medish. And John Schusler, who was originally a part of MUFON. So he's been mm-hmm. here the whole 50 years. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, would just like to invite everybody out to that. Go to MUFON.com.
3: dot <laughs> and that's in Irvine, and it's July. Yeah, I was, I was hoping. Um, yeah, hoping I'm feeling better by then, but we'll see. We'll see what's meant to be. Um, I hope so. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I would oh, love. And that's just a five hour flight, so it's not too bad for us.
4: Yeah, yeah. I would love to meet you guys in person. That'd be great. Oh, we would love to. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if it's in the stars, but, um,
3: <laughs> okay. We have like three more minutes. So, um, what about your group in, in, um, Florida, what part of Florida? Okay. We meet.
4: Well, I wow. meet every month and, uh, we're here in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, we're in the center of the state literally. And, uh, I uh, have the MUFON meeting as well as uh, Enigmatic Anomalies. MUFON is we only talk about uh, UFOs and what happens with extraterrestrials. But with Enigmatic Anomalies, we talk about everything from ghosts to, uh, you know, demonic things as well as spirits and uh, other just other topics that happen to people and uh we're open to everybody we you know love to have people come and look us up you can uh, find my blog at terryling.com and it's l-y-n-g-e.com it's hard to say but it's like bling Terry Ling. Ling, uh, Ling. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, and then hyphen, because I've been married now uh, to uh, Kevin Keel, K-E-H-L. So it's Ling hyphen Keel. And um, yeah, we would, we would certainly love to meet everybody. And uh, it's a free meeting. You just come and enjoy yourself and, you know, bring your stories and your experiences. We're here for you. You know, that is what MUFON does is we're here to support people that have had these crazy and bizarre lifestyles <laughs> so if
3: somebody has an experience what do you do uh to support them besides just listen to their story do, do you have uh, people they can call or work with or we know, do for some it's very traumatizing right yeah
4: yes absolutely it is and uh you know we do uh work with them to accept what has happened we have the ERT team and uh, they also work with them and uh, if they're really having a difficult time overcoming you know the happening Um, and there's there's just so many different uh, ways that we can help people that have literally been traumatized by everything that happens. And ERT, by the way, is Experiencer Research Team. And they're dedicated uh, to the investigation of experiencers that have had non-human contact. And, and for those listening that have never had it, once you have it, it's life-changing. It is. It right. changed my life, really. And we also have a special assignment team uh, that, you know, looks into cases that are of Great interest, um, like mine or. Oh, we're out of time. Out.
3: Oh, well, okay. Thank you so much, Terry. If I lost track of time. We'll have you back again sometime. Much love and blessings to everybody.
4: Thank you.
0: Aloha. Aloha. Thank, thank
4: you. you.
1: Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of this program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.
5: Tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we are listener sponsored and commercial free. But there still are bills to pay. In order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost, our station is offering a silver special. In the continental United States for a $60 donation, or in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada for a $70 donation, we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one ounce pure silver eagle. The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.